In this episode of the podcast, I drive a car which has a brand name, which is arguably the most mispronounced car brand name ever. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm driving to Wales, (laughs) as I always am, from London. But I'm stopping off at my mate Vinny's house on the way. And the car I'm driving is from a brand which, as I said a moment ago, is often mispronounced. Now, I can think of, I think, three car brands which people generally get wrong, don't they? Arguably the most obvious one is Porsche. People call them a Porsche, don't they? It's not, it's a Porsche, it's German, it's got an E on the end, it's Porsche. The other one is something that you've heard me mention many times on the show before, and that's Lancia. Ain't no such car called Lancia. It's a Lancia. But I'm not driving either of those. Have you worked it out? If you haven't seen, you know, the episode guide that tells you what the car is. What brand of car am I driving that is horribly mispronounced all the time? The answer is Dacia. I'm driving a Dacia Duster. Dacia, of course, a lot of people still call Dacia or even Dacia. Now the name, you probably know this, but in case you don't, the name Dacia is the old Roman name for what we now call Romania, because Dacia are a proud Romanian brand acquired by La Régie by Renault many, many years ago, who absolutely reinvented the brand. Now, I don't know if you're like me, old enough to remember when you could buy... Uh, what was it called? I'm trying to remember what it was called, but there was a, a Dacia, I think we said Dacia in those days, available in the mid-70s, probably, that was actually the old Renault 12 built in the Dacia factory in Romania. That was a funky looking car. If you haven't found it, look it up, Dacia Renault 12. It was a funky looking thing, definitely. Funky in the 70s. And, sorry about that microphone noise. I've got got a new microphone. Slightly noisy, isn't it? Sorry about that. Not supposed to be noisy. Hang on. Has that fixed it? Yeah, that's fixed it. I'm going to find a better position for this, because this is a bit noisy, isn't it? Hang on. How's that? Any better? Yeah, good. Because this car is a manual car, I can't hold my Zoom recorder in my hand and change gear, so I have to wear a lavalier mic, a lapel mic, you know, a little clip mic that clips to the seatbelt, and I managed to lose mine, so I have to buy a new one today, and so this episode has been recorded on a new microphone. I hope it works well enough for you. But the car, yeah, a six-speed manual Dacia Duster, and I chose this car because it's cool. It's a minimum automobile. Now, you know me, I think I've probably talked about this on the show before over the years, that I have as much admiration for a really simple, lightweight, low-cost, no-frills car 
as I do for a supercar. In fact, I think I probably admire cheap, simple cars more than I admire a very complicated, very expensive hypercar that's had millions and millions and millions of pounds of research and development spent on it. It's relatively easy to do that. It's much more difficult to do that on a budget car. And that's the thing that Dacia are famous for, aren't they? They are a budget brand. This car I'm driving, let me check the spec a little bit later, but I think the price of this version of the car is around £22,000. And this particular version is the Dacia Duster Prestige DCI 115. So it's got a little four-cylinder diesel engine that produces, I think, around 115 PS which is just enough for a fairly lightweight car. And when you see them on the road, they look great, don't they? I actually was vaguely disappointed when they delivered this car and said, oh, it's the prestige version with the nice wheels and all that, the alloy wheels. Because I absolutely adore the poverty spec version, the base version with steel wheels. It looks amazing. It looks utilitarian. And utilitarian is not an insult. It's quite the opposite. It looks functional in the way that builders' pickups or transit vans look functional. And what's the purpose of a car? Well, it's to be a functional device. It's a useful device. And I like the low-rent version of this. In fact, there's a website somewhere where some clever photoshoppers have done sort of popular plus versions of supercars so they take a Lamborghini remove the incredible lightweight magnesium alloy wheels and photoshop in a pair of steel wheels and the body coloured bumpers have gone as well they have that sort of plastic low spec cheapest model in the range look about them and I love that I genuinely, genuinely think it's a good look, a cool look. Now, unfortunately, this Dacia Duster I'm driving looks a bit flashy compared to the base model, but that's fine. It's a great car. It's a great car. What do you want from your car? Well, you want comfort, performance, spec, economy, room inside, functionality. This car offers all that and it's one of the few cars that I think you might consider buying if you're thinking about buying a second-hand car you might think oh no maybe I'll buy a new car because for the same money I'm spending on this I don't know second-hand Ford I could buy a brand new Dacia and that's the USB of Dacia, isn't it? That's how they snare you. So they start with a very base utilitarian model. But if you want all the bells and whistles, you pay a little bit more. But this car's got all the bells and whistles. Really, it's got stop-start. It's got a great sat-nav. It's got a terrific infotainment system. It's got cruise control and speed limiter. It hasn't got adaptive cruise control, but that's okay. It's okay, I like adaptive cruise control. It doesn't have lane keeping, that's okay. It's got a rear camera. 
it's got everything you need. A six-speed transmission. I used to complain about six-speed transmissions. Oh, you're busy stirring the box all the time, making the engine work. But now, in these days of ultimate economy, I really appreciate having that sixth gear just to slip into to give you economy because, you know, fuel prices are expensive at the moment, aren't they? And that, I think, governs what people spend on cars. There was a period where if you had a choice between, I don't know, a four-cylinder and a V6, you might choose the V6, I want the performance. But the cost of fuel these days, I think a lot of people will go for the more thrifty version of the car. And that's a good thing. That's a bit of eco-warrioring, isn't it, from people. I mean, it's nice that we think that way these days. And this car, let's have a look, got an average fuel economy at the moment, 51.8 miles to the gallon. Now, I've been driving this car for an hour and a half, I suppose. I'm on the M1. I did a whole section in London on stop-start dual carriageways on the M25 and M1. 51.8 miles to the gallon's pretty good. In fact, as I'm cruising at uh, 45 at the moment, it's telling me I'm getting 99.9 miles to the gallon. Yeah, I am on a, a bit of an overrun. Okay, now it's just switched to 65. So it's, I wouldn't say a bargain basement car, but I would say a budget car. You know, the budget that you need to buy it doesn't have to be huge. The amount you have to budget for fuel spend isn't huge, not if you get 51 miles to the gallon. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's a great thing. A car that is genuinely thrifty, but also functional. This car is the four-wheel drive version, and just looking down at the controls in between the front two seats, I've got three positions, two-wheel drive, auto, and lock four-wheel drive. Now, I'm unlikely to go off-road, as most people are who buy 4x4s. But I would imagine if I put it in lock four-wheel drive, this thing would be as good as anything, depending on the tyres it's got. I don't think it's got town and country tyres, because that's what you need if you're doing a bit of mud plugging. But, you know, if you were towing a caravan out of a field, if you were towing a trailer with a, I don't know, jet ski on it, is it, does that make this a lifestyle car? Because it's probably a really good tow car, this, isn't it? Hmm, lifestyle. Wish I had a lifestyle. Have you got a lifestyle? What is your lifestyle? What does that even mean, lifestyle? So is this a lifestyle version of the Dacia Duster? Time will tell, I don't know yet. I've got the car for about a week. Actually, a little over a week, I think eight days, nine days. So I will have plenty of time to explore it on the roads of England and Wales, as I often do. But who buys these cars? Who buys Dacias? Well, obviously people who are looking for a new car, but they can't afford, I don't know, an Audi? Can't afford a Ford? Why don't Ford do a car like this. The nearest thing in the Ford range at the moment is the Echo Sport. Yeah, they call it that, not the Eco Sport, they call it the Echo Sport, which is a bit smaller than this car, a bit shorter, a bit narrower. 
and it's in a different class and that's around about the same price that's about £22,000 I think but the Dacia Duster you get an awful lot more car for your money who buys a Dacia? someone who lives in a rural place that's why they've got a switchable four-wheel drive car with plenty of ground clearance because it is a very tall car it is very tall I'm actually parked alongside an E-Pace at the moment. I say parked, still on the motorway. I would say that I'm about the same height as that E-Pace. Yeah, it's a tall car. Taller than the Volvo V40. Taller than the Yeti. Now, that is a great car. There's another example of the utilitarian car. The Skoda. Sorry, Skoda. There you go. There's another car brand that we mispronounce, isn't it? Everyone says Skoda, but it's not. If you look at the logo... It's got a little, is it called a circumflex? It's got a little accent over the S, which means that you have to pronounce the S as a sh, so it's Skoda. You've got to imagine that you're Sean Connery, it's a Skoda. Or even Paul DeResta. Have you ever heard Paul DeResta on the Sky commentary? He talks about the Mercedes Benz, not Mercedes, Mercedes Benz. I love the way he says that. So yeah, the the Skoda, nearly said it again, didn't I? The Skoda Yeti, you can't buy it anymore. That old version of the car, which is based on the Roomster, that doesn't exist anymore. So the Dacia Duster is the equivalent to that. It's a bit taller, a bit longer, a bit bigger, but I bet in terms of cost, it's cheaper because Skoda, Another example of a brand which existed years ago, which we used to take the mick out of, of course, but VW acquired Skoda and turned it into a, well, it's almost a prestige brand now, isn't it? It's like an economy prestige car. You buy Skoda, it looks a bit glitzy with its chrome grille and all the spec that you might find on a Volkswagen for... I don't know, 80-something percent of the price, maybe? Dacia are doing the same, aren't they? Renault, I should say, are doing the same with Dacia because, of course, Renault owned Dacia. In fact, you can, in some markets, buy this very car built in the Dacia factory in Romania, badged as a Renault duster in some markets. It does change. But that shows you how good a car it is that Renault are happy to sell it as a Renault rather than Dacia. Do you remember the first time that we came across the name Duster for a Dacia? When was it? I think it was 2009, actually, when Alan Prost drove a V6 Dacia Duster, that's what it was called, in the Andros Trophy, the ice racing event that they hold in France in the snowy conditions there. And this is a very different car. That got your attention, didn't it? Well, Alain Prost and a Dacia. Because, of course, Alain Prost and Renault are synonymous. But Alain Prost and Dacia, they use that brand, I'm talking about the brand Alain Prost, to reach not just for Renault Formula One, but the whole of the Regie stable, including Dacia, didn't they? Anyway, I'm meandering. Okay, I'm gonna get rid of my initial criticisms of this car straight away. Two things, one, 
it wanders a little bit. It tends to slightly slalom down the lane. You know, you've got to correct it constantly. That may be a tyre pressure issue. It may be me just adapting to the car. And second of all, the infotainment system, which is really good, great big screen, makes perfect sense. Two things about it which slightly bug me. One, if you're off the navigation screen, say you're looking at your music playlist and you want to switch back to the navigation screen, there's no button, as far as I can tell, on the touchpad that takes you back to the navigation screen. You have to go home first, then find navigation. So it should be a one button press, but it's a two button press. Right. That's, that's not a huge criticism, but it's worth mentioning. And second of all, blooming Android Auto. Do you use Android Auto? I don't, because if you use Android Auto, it uses your data for navigation. And that means it's chomping up all your data. Whereas if you use the onboard navigation in the car, that doesn't cost you, you know, every time you pull down the name of a road or the direction that you're going. And that's not a criticism of the car, that's a criticism of Android Auto. Now, I, I probably, with a bit of thinking and scratching my head and a bit of research and pressing buttons, I can configure Android Auto so that it streams music from my phone and gives me the ability to go hands-free and talk on my phone, but would still use the onboard navigation. The other thing about the onboard in-car entertainment system is that it doesn't beautifully connect to my phone. There was a period where I couldn't control the volume on my phone listening to music. I couldn't skip forward to the next track. It seems to have stopped that now. It was a little intermittent for a while. And my solution, because there are two USB sockets and a cigarette lighter, or cigar lighter as they prefer to call it, in the slot underneath the navigation screen. There are two, one which is a USB connection and the other one which is just a battery connection. So if I connect my phone to the battery connection, it gives me better control over music and everything than if I connect to the USB connection. See what I mean? There are two sockets, one labeled USB, one labeled charging. So I unplugged my phone from the USB, put it in the charging, and it seemed happier there. Hey, I don't think that is a Dacia issue. I think that's a all-car issue. I think that's probably an Android Auto issue. I like the car. I like the fact that it's tall. I do say this a lot, though, don't I? As you get older, you want taller cars, because you don't have to step down into a car. Hold me back, hold me back. Even a relatively fit bloke like me who does lots of swimming, and you know how much swimming I do, you know, bending up and down as you get older gives you twinges. So if you can step into a car from standing height, it's much more pleasant than having to step in and out. Although, to be fair, if you're having to lower yourself down into an Alpine or a Porsche or a Ford GT, you wouldn't mind bending because of the sheer pleasure that you get from driving that car at unreasonable speeds. Now, as far as performance goes on this car, ain't going to be the quickest car I've ever driven, but fine. 
good. I did not get this car to drive it like a hooligan. I got this car to explore what a really practical middle of the road. No, I can't call this car middle of the road. What's a middle of the road car? A middle of the road car is a golf, isn't it? This is actually a bit more stylish. It's doing its own thing. It's got some great plastic mouldings on the outside, this guy, I love it, I love it. It's like the old Fiat Panda 4x4, the old one, the original Giugiaro one. That was a utilitarian car, and that was a superb car, a car held in high regard. And I know from my mates, who are car journalists as well, that if you say, what do you think of the Dacia Duster? They go, oh yeah, man, man. great car, no frills. It's got everything, no frills, really practical. It's the same, isn't it? It does everything you need without being a statement. It's not a brand statement, this car. Although having said that, this is the second generation Duster now. The original one came out in 2012. Second generation one came out a few years ago now. But we're not far, probably only three years away from the third generation Dacia Duster which will be interesting. They showed a teaser of the next Dacia. Now, I don't know if it's a Duster. It's a bigger car than the Duster, I think. But it's got a fantastic grille. And the logo reminds me a little bit of the DeLorean Motor Company's logo. And they've managed to incorporate that logo in the grille. It's got a very distinct look to it. Really cool, really smart. Dacia are going places, they genuinely are. And so am I. Right, I'm gonna enjoy this car for a little bit. Um, heading up to Brum and I'll report back when I've driven it a bit more and I've got more to tell you about it. But first impressions, fab. Nothing short of proper fab. Hello, dusting down the duster, day two. I'm in North Wales now. I stayed with my friend Vince in Birmingham last night, came up to North Wales. And do you remember I asked a question in the earlier part of the show? Who buys the Dacia duster? I think I have a possible answer. I just went to Hollywell, my hometown where I grew up as a child, and I was doing a tour with my sister, looking at places, remembering where we used to live and the people we knew and all that, and I passed a Dacia Duster, and then passed another one on a drive, and another, and another, and another. I counted seven Dacia Dusters in Hollywell, Flintshire. So the answer to the question, who buys Dacia Dusters? And I think the answer is Hollywellians. Now, Hollywell used to be a thriving town way back in the 1960s and the 70s. But thanks to Thatcher's destruction of coal mining and the steel industry in Wales in the 80s, North Wales, particularly Flintshire, has been a little down at heel. It's not the industrial centre that it used to be, and so there is quite a lot of unemployment and people living off benefits or people working in jobs that it's the only job that they can get. 
which directly equates, you could say, to why they buy a bargain brand like Dacia. And the fact that Dacia offers so much for your money offers a great deal to someone who lives in a place where there isn't a lot of money. And here's my other question. Do you believe in genetic memory? (laughs) Because maybe that's why I like the Dacia Duster. Because I'm a Hollywellian. (laughs) If Hollywellians buy it, and I'm a Hollywellian, albeit a Hollywellian who hasn't lived in Hollywell for 40 of my 60 years, but maybe what appeals to Hollywellians still appeals to me, and I like the idea of this car I really like the idea of the duster and I haven't been disappointed I think it's very very good I am having an issue with the car though and to be fair this might not be an issue with the car it could be either a user problem or a technology match problem I'm having real difficulty getting my phone to talk to the in-car entertainment system consistently There are occasions when I stop for sandwich or to visit friends and I get back in the car and my phone, I have no control over the volume of the music that it's playing back from my phone using the in-car entertainment system. Or it says no media or despite being connected via Bluetooth and one of the charging points, it's not showing any phone numbers in the phone book on the car. However, if I go to my phone and activate the call from the phone, it connects to the car and shows then. There is some sort of technology mismatch. Now, I've got a new phone. This is a brand new phone, and I think, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've tried Bluetooth connecting my new phone to the in-car entertainment system in a car. So, maybe it's a user problem. Is it Android 12 or 11? I think it's 12 on this phone and I'm not understanding something entirely possible so I'm not going to blame Dacia for this and I've got a few days to debug the system but I can't quite work out what I'm doing wrong but the point is the point is that it should be intuitive you should connect and pay your phone once and that's it it should work every time but for some reason that isn't working and I've tried rebooting my phone stopping the car resetting everything but I shouldn't have to do that it should operate that's my only niggle with the car everything else is absolutely sorted and what a quiet motor it's a bit noisy when you're really thrashing it it's only a 1.5 four-cylinder turbo diesel so it needs a bit of effort to get it to play along but apart from that the car is sorted don't know what the whole in-car entertainment connection issue is I bet it's a user problem I bet it's me but I have got as I said a number of days left to debug it but at least we have an answer to the question who buys Dacia dusters the answer is Hollywellians oh apart from the seven dusters I saw which are all series one and white I saw a number of Sanderos in town as well. I think I probably saw three, maybe even four Sanderos. Dachas everywhere. Now, this may be explainable by the heightened awareness thing. You know, if you buy a red jumper, 
you think, oh, nobody wears red jumpers. You buy a red jumper, you go out and you suddenly notice all the other red jumpers. It's because I'm in that mode. And maybe I'm in Dacia mode and I'm noticing Dachas. But I have to say, seven dusters in one little town with a population of what? It's the population of only, well, 12,000 these days. That's an extraordinary penetration. There may be another explanation, which I don't know the answer to, but if you're near an internet now, look up the word Dacia and Flincher. There must be a Dacia dealer relatively nearby, somewhere between Conwy and Chester, the two extremes of, what, 20 miles either side of Hollywell. That may be an explanation. But nice to know that this car is doing well in North Wales. Makes me very happy. Hello again. It's day several of my exploration of the mighty Dacia Duster. And I call it mighty because I actually think it is. I've spent the last couple of days exploring some pretty inaccessible parts of North Wales around Conwy looking at some properties with some friends of mine and we found ourselves climbing very severe arths yeah what's the English word hill arth is a Welsh word hill yeah some very severe arth with three of us on board and I can't remember what the torque output for this little 1.5 turbo diesel engine is, but blimey, it chugged up there, no problem whatsoever in very low gears. I think I've said it before, it's a very functional vehicle. Yeah, obviously the function of a car is to carry around and carry uphill, but I found myself on some pretty unmade roads, some 90 degree hairpins and areas where I found myself sort of driven into a dead end and the only way out was to do a very tight three-point turn and it's got a great turning circle this car I think they've got that exactly right because it's not terribly wide as a car it seems an awful lot of other vehicles are a bit wider than this and that's got to help the turning ability or maybe a short square thing turns better I don't know but hey it definitely can get itself out of some tricky little corners and it's got everything you need of course the sensors the rear view camera to prevent you from bumping anything when you're doing those sort of maneuvers however I do have a complaint I am still struggling with the in-car entertainment system on this car I'm still never certain when I press the volume control on the Incarnate Entertainment whether it's going to adjust the level of the music playback for my phone or if it's going to adjust the level of the satellite navigation instructions and there doesn't seem to be a consistency to that I don't know if there's some user thing that I'm failing to understand but like I said before it shouldn't be like that it should be simple and again I don't seem to be able to control the music on my phone from the in-car entertainment unless I probably go to Android Auto mode, which I don't want to do for reasons I explained before. A couple of other things that seemed a bit odd as well. I was reversing out of a slot the other day and when I finished reversing and the rear view camera came on board, I drove off and the rear view camera 
remained on the screen for like four or five minutes before it decided to change back which is a bit weird isn't it that's a bit weird and then driving into Roson Sea the other day the whole sat nav froze absolutely locked up I couldn't do anything about it I had to okay thank you I had to pull over turn the whole vehicle off and reset it so there's something not quite right in the sat-nav like i've said it might be a user thing but having had this thing for a few days and explored all the various ways of connecting your phone via usb cable via bluetooth mtp or android auto i'm still getting all sorts of inconsistencies so maybe there is a bug in the system, a gremlin in the works. Did you know, by the way, that the word bug in the system is Welsh? It's from Bugan, which is what the Welsh have that is the equivalent to um, the Banshee. The Banshee, you might say, in Irish culture. You know, the Bugan is that evil thing that lives in the forest and it's abroad on All Hallows' Eve and things like that, you know. And it was that word which was first used when they were trying to debug an electronic system. As I believe, we told that story on how many, many years ago and I've forgotten about it. So this car does have some form of bug. Maybe it's just this individual vehicle. And if I was the owner of this car, I would be going back to the dealership and say, Am I doing something wrong here or is there something wrong with it? And I'm fairly confident, because it's a new car, they could fix it probably with a software patch or a reboot or something like that. And that is the appeal of buying a new car. And as I said before, the Dacia Duster is a car that someone who's thinking of buying a second-hand car might consider as an alternative. They might buy a new car, a good value new car, a Dacia, a Dacia Duster. Have I said how I like the rugged looks of this vehicle so far? I really do. I parked it outside my friend Carolyn Steve's place the other day and I came out to it and I thought, oh, there's my truck. No, really, there's my truck. It's like a truck, but not in the European use of the word. You know, truck means lorry here, doesn't it? But in America, your truck is your pickup, your utility vehicle. And it's like a three-quarter scale... Uh, oh, what's the best example? Amarok, maybe? Or... Uh, Ford Ranger, something like that. You know, it's got that sort of ultra rugged, practical quality to it. A very high front and I like it. And there's a plastic molding at the front of the front door that says four wheel drive on it. And I love it. I think it looks fantastic. My gosh, I'm just looking at an aircraft. I'm driving towards Liverpool at the moment and right in front of me, where's that landing at Speak? Is that a star lifter? T-tailed, four-engine, high-wing, military transport aircraft. Or is it one of those Airbus equivalents? I can't even remember. I'm not very good on my military aircraft these days. I used to be very good when I was a kid, but I'm a bit out of date. Sorry, short distraction. You can't see it, but that looks pretty practical and rugged like this. But I love the rugged looks. I love the two rails on the roof. That's what does it, really. You've got rails on your roof, you think, yeah... 
I can throw anything on there. It's amazing how that changes the entire aspect of any car. Jack it up a little bit, give it a plastic body side moulding of some kind, put a couple of rails on the roof and it looks amazing. Do you remember that Suzuki Ignis? It looked a bit like that as well. So yeah, I'm loving it. If it wasn't for the baffling in-car entertainment issues, I would be utterly smitten with this car. As it is, I'm pretty smitten. Yeah, works well. Great car for the countryside, great car for the city, of course. I haven't mentioned the suspension. It's got a lovely, soft, but not ultra floaty ride. It manages speed bumps in the city really well and it manages unpaved roads with a plomb. It's like, yeah, 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 it's like a terrier. Give me it. It's a very keen car. It has got character. It wants you to use it. Enough, enough. Have I got any other complaints? Yes, one other minor complaint about the car. It's got an electric heated front seat for the driver and the switch for that electric heater is on a little nodule that sits out from the right hand side of the squab that you sit on and there is only just enough room to get your hand in between that extension to the side of the seat and the front driver's door bin and actually I can't get it beyond my knuckles so it's a bit of a fiddle to get access to that heated seat thing not that I've needed it I haven't had to turn it on it's been nice and pleasant out here in North Wales this week but if I had to that's not quite as easy access as you would hope and if that is my biggest complaint about the ergonomics of the car or perhaps my only complaint about the car it's doing well isn't it it's doing flipping well I'm on my way home from North Wales, which is home, back to London, which is my current home, and still enjoying the Dacia Duster, even though I've just gone through Birmingham at a very, very slow pace. Well, I say Birmingham, the M6. It was all horrible and chock-a-block, but didn't bother me in my lovely, comfortable, minimalist automobile because it is. I think the Dacia is one of those minimalist automobiles. I think I said earlier on. But do you remember a long time ago on the podcast, I used to always comment on what music particularly seemed to suit the car I was driving in. You know, you hear a piece of music and you think, oh, that sounds particularly good. And you don't remember it sounding quite that good previously. Well, this car, the Dacia Duster, seems to like Guy Garvey and Elbow. I mean, I like Guy Garvey and I like Elbow, but since I've been driving this car, every time a Guy Garvey or Elbow tune came on my playlist from my phone, it sounded fantastic. So this car likes Guy Garvey, which is no bad thing, because Guy Garvey's great, isn't he? And on the subject of the media in this car, it seems to have finally sorted itself out. I don't know what I'm doing any difference. I'm, I'm not, I'm just getting in the car and connecting it automatically. And now 
I seem to have control over the volume of the playback. But if I want control of the volume of the announcements from the sat-nav, I have to wait till it's making an announcement before I can hit the volume down button to stop that from deafening me. So I don't quite understand what all that plava was about before. Like I said at the time, it was probably a user issue. But I'm using it in exactly the same way, and it's working fine now. So I retract what I said previously about the in-car entertainment system. Although it does baffle me as to why that was a bit weird when I first got the car. I've also had a bit of an idea. A few years ago, I remember seeing a picture of a Series 1 Dacia Duster, which had been sort of beefed up. It was all black, matte black, in fact. It had silver approach angle guards and departure angle guards at the bottom that made it look good and actually I just passed another Dacia Duster in that huge tailback of cars going through Brom and it was black not matte black but black but it had some red detailing the word Duster was written in red and that had silver approach and departure angle guards that made it look proper rugged and then I had another idea. I saw a new Ford Ranger Raptor, which is a Herculean looking thing, isn't it? I mean, that's frankly terrifying. If you were going to choose a vehicle to drive across the world, you might choose a Ford Ranger Raptor, because the Raptor version looks like it could take on anything, oversized wheels. So here's my idea. If you like the rugged approach that you get from a Dacia Duster, put oversized wheels on it. Yeah, get yourself some absolute monster wheels. With the money that you have saved by buying a good value car, yeah, the Duster, you could really customise it to your own design. I think the top of the range, the Extreme, has got a bit of that, but really there's nothing quite like tailoring a car to your exact spec. And perhaps, unless you're loaded, the only way to do that is to buy a cheaper car and add the bits you want. See what I'm getting at? And here's another thought. A few years ago, a good few years ago on the podcast now, Richard Zog and I were talking about the trend for high-rise SUVs and how they were growing and that the vast majority of people like that sort of look and that practicality but they buy 4x4s they don't actually need four-wheel drive once again I've been up to Wales for over a week barely needed four-wheel drive I don't think I needed it at any point because I was on paved surfaces and you can save yourself a fortune by not buying a four-wheel drive car and we recommended the Qashqai, the Nissan Qashqai, because we said, yeah, that kind of offers everything that people say they want. You know, a tall car with loads of ground clearance and a kind of chunky, functional look. But, you know, it's not four-wheel drive. Just get the two-wheel drive version. That'll do you, mate. That's all you need. And I think the Duster is the 
latest iteration of that. I mean, we genuinely agreed, Zog, Richard and I, people who like big, fast, powerful cars, said, actually, the Qashqai is about as good as it gets. And I think the same applies to the Dacia Duster. Seriously. Now, if you listen to Gareth Jones on speed, you probably visit Carfection as well, a website that Alex Goy, one of our team, contributes to in a big way. And Alex did a review of the Dacia Duster recently, a video review, and in it, he described the Dacia Duster as the best car in the world. Hmm, that's quite a bold claim, isn't it? Now, we exchanged a few texts, Alex, Zog and I, recently, and I was explaining that I was away driving this Dacia Duster, and of course, Alex's response was, best car in the world. And Zog countered that with best new car in the world. Interesting point, I see what he's saying. Yeah, maybe there are much better cars than this, but for your money, this car is pretty much unbeatable. I can't think of anything else that offers quite as much as this car at this price point, as they say on The Apprentice. <laughs> price point, I hate that word. They just mean price, don't they? So I'm gonna take issue with Alex. It ain't the best car in the world, but because it has pretty much everything you need and the versatility and the chunkiness, it might not be the best car in the world, but the Dacia Duster could be the best car in your world. And that, I think, is a fair comment. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on speed with me, of course, Gareth Jones driving the Dacia Duster. See you soon for the next episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!